0: Transitioning from corporate to entrepreneur sounds like a dream come true, but what's the best way to do it? What do you need to look out for? Today's guest shares the lessons learned from his successful journey. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the weekly podcast for smart executives, managers, and entrepreneurs looking to improve business performance and their bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel Kelschner, and I have a very interesting guest for you today. He's Doc Wright, the founder and master craftsman at The Right Edge, a custom furniture maker that creates massive handmade live-edge tables and artwork for hotels, businesses, and anyone looking for a distinctive statement piece for their home. Like many entrepreneurs, Doc had a career in corporate America, but he left his 9-to-5 job when he found custom woodworking as a way to escape the monotony and stress of the daily grind as an oil geologist. His decision to take the risk of leaving a secure, well-paying job and follow his passion has paid off. In less than four years, Doc has been able to grow his company from his backyard and garage into a market leader in a high-end custom live-edge craftsmanship industry, bringing in over seven figures in revenue annually. His creations have attracted a lot of interest from the woodworking industry and Fortune 500 companies, including the Ritz Carlton, Marriott Hotels, Tesla, Toyota, and AIG. He's also designed custom pieces for world famous rock stars and major sports athletes. So it's always exciting to speak with someone who's carved out a niche for themselves. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Doc.
1: Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: Pleasure's mine. You know, woodworking is such a broad field. How did you happen to gravitate to live edge pieces? And for listeners who may not be familiar with the turn, would you please explain that?
1: So live edge just means it's the actual shape of the tree. Like where you're taking the tree, you're getting it on a sawmill, and the curvature of the wood is natural to the tree. You're not trying to fake it and put a false edge on it or anything. And it's, for us, it's you know, on the back of all of our business T-shirts, it just says hashtag we play with big wood. And that's kind of what we're known for is just playing with some obnoxiously big stuff.
0: Obnoxiously big stuff. So in, in terms of size, how many feet are we talking about? How heavy is this? Does this live edge still have the bark on it?
1: Uh, sometimes, but usually the bark falls off during the drying process. Okay. So most of the time it just comes, um, you know, a little bit rough, dirty terms of big the biggest table to date was 39 feet and then just a day and a half ago i just received uh, my next big slab for a project that's going to be headed up to manhattan new york and the slab is 20 feet long by 69 inches wide
0: that is a big ass table Yes, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, ma'am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I'm curious, was, was this business idea a side hustle while you were still working your corporate job?
1: It started off as honestly just stress relief. I wanted something to kind of, I wanted a hobby that wasn't working out. And it just so happened I rebuilt my neighbor's patio. And then I had a friend of mine who just bought a new table from Critten Barrel, and he wanted a live edge bench to go with it. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can make anything. And that was early December of 2016. And two and a half months later, after like three or four more pieces, um, an interior designer found me and asked me to bid on five conference room tables. So I did and got the job and it was big enough to where I felt confident that this was such an abnormal situation that I would be stupid not to take the chance because I was in my early 30s, not married, no kids, was making a bunch of money. And was like, you know what, I'm just young enough and just dumb enough to take a chance.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you're glad you did. You know, that's a great connection to have that network connection with the interior designer that could help feed you business, right?
1: Yep. She was the first one who um, found me. And it was pretty funny because when they reached out, I, I kind of laughed at it. I was like, wait, you know, I'm not a business, right? I'm just some schmuck in his garage. And she's like, yeah, we kind of put that together. We couldn't find a website or anything like that. But we really liked that one table you made. And we got a couple of bids from some other companies that we thought were pretty obnoxiously high. We'd like you to bid on it. So that's how it all started.
0: So that's how it all started. And if I understand you correctly, because of your personal situation in terms of not having the family obligations that some other folks might have, it was easier for you to make the jump, especially with a good order in place, so that financially, you know, you were bootstrapping your business. Is that right?
1: Yes, ma'am. And still bootstrapping it to this day.
0: All right. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, this way you don't owe anybody anything. You know, how did you finally take it from hobby to business? Because it's you need to do a little bit more than just have a hobby and and play in your wood shop.
1: Being a scientist, I know nothing about business. I, I knew enough of, you know, from having dinner with a couple of buddies who have side hustles and stuff. I knew a little bit. But the biggest thing was this very first job ended up being for five tables and it was over six figures. And I knew at that moment this was not a normal situation because I didn't need to go build a bankroll with investors. I didn't have to pull out a line of credit. I didn't have to pull out a business loan. I could just get started. And like I said, it was for enough money that in my heart of hearts, when I made the decision to quit my job and cash out my stock and just go with it, the honest to God question I asked myself or kind of realization was, what's the worst that can happen? I do it for a year and it goes under. Okay, well, I have a pretty ridiculous resume as it is. I can always go back into industry. So I kind of felt like there was no lose-lose. It was just, do I have enough muster to take a chance and bet on myself?
0: So you took a smart risk. So good for you. There may be other people listening right now that said, no, I I could do that. I have a nest egg. I've got my expenses covered for a while. I have some financial cushion, or maybe they have, you know, a rich uncle that willing to bankroll. Either way, they've got the money part pretty much covered. They're, they're comfortable with that. But I'm curious about, you know, as you said, you didn't have a business background. What challenges did you face? you know, transitioning from corporate to entrepreneur in terms of, you know, putting some accounting in place, just even basics. I mean, you don't have to, you know, have a big infrastructure, but you need to have some business system in place. No.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was fortunate enough. I knew a guy who was a serial entrepreneur that used to own one of the biggest CrossFit gyms in Dallas. And so when I made the transition, I just hit him up. We went to have lunch and he was like, here's kind of the basics. Number one, you need to get a website. Like I can do the rough build out on Squarespace, but pretty soon you're going to want to have like a professional website done. So that was step one. And then he also introduced me to his accountant who showed me how to do QuickBooks and then buying the LLC finding a business attorney that could be my RA for the business, which is just a buffer between you and the IRS. And that's kind that of the first initial advice that I ever got. And after that, it was just slowly but surely over the years, just putting more and more pieces in place.
0: Well, that's really great. So you, you started with really as a mentor to help you identify these big building blocks that you kind of needed to have in place. What other things have you put in place over the years?
1: So now I have um, a full-time website developer company. They've been with me for five years now. I have a digital marketing company that does all of my SEO and Google search stuff. The last coming up on, I guess, about nine months, I've been working with the PR company, um, just with some of our clientele. And you know, when we do massive installs and for high-profile stuff like with Toyota, we can do press releases and get those sent out and just get try to get more eyes on our work.
0: Very good. So now we may have some listeners out here who would love to do what you do. Maybe they don't know how to, you know, the difference between a jigsaw and a chainsaw, but they have other hobbies that they maybe want to turn into a business. Okay. They're not competing with you in in any way. What do you recommend to them for transitioning from corporate to entrepreneur?
1: First off, and I'm a big proponent of this, um, there's a niche market for everything, on the planet and I'm never not surprised by how some people have created their wealth. It's actually kind of inspiring, but there is a constant theme of, especially if you're going to go with like more of the handcrafted stuff where you actually have a tangible product that you are producing and it's not all digital, that's two separate worlds. But if you're going to go with more of a handcrafted kind of like what we did or arts and crafts or succulents, whatever it is, What are you doing and making that is going to separate you from the rest of the pack? Because if you're just going to make the same thing that you see on Instagram that everybody makes, then you're just going to put yourself into a more competitive market. Whereas if you truly are being a trailblazer and your work does stand out, it just makes everything a lot easier because now you're different and being different is good.
0: Identifying your niche is certainly a very good step. What else would you recommend they do?
1: Definitely go find other entrepreneurs who have done this before or are still currently doing it. They will be able to give you the best advice that is free advice. Most of the time, some of the advice that I've heard or I've read is you know, you gotta go find like a CEO group or you know, you gotta pay a couple thousand dollars to be in these groups, and it's basically just you know, a measuring contest, you really don't get much out of it from, that's my opinion. But find somebody who's actually done this and either ask them to be your mentor or just, Hey man, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What is your advice on the smartest and most financial sound way to go forward with this? Because the first three years of starting a new business, it's pure survival. And once you hit year three, the percent chance that you make it to year five is, goes dramatically up from year one to year three. So if you can just survive the first three years, you're doing better than 85% of the rest of the market. And then after year three, you start becoming a little bit more established. Your products become a little bit more established. Same with your name, everything. And that's when you can really start making some fun moves. Just got to survive the first three years.
0: First three years. What would you have done differently during your first 3 years? <laughs> Everything. If you had to do it over again, right? Okay.
1: What tell yeah, me more. Yeah, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have sold my house and bought a large piece of property somewhere around the city and actually built my own shop with like a house on the property, and that way the company could be paying my mortgage rather than You know, now I'm paying an asinine amount of money just to be in a very specific location in Dallas. And we needed the shop space, so it just is what it is. But the amount of land I could have bought and the size of the shop I could have personally built versus what I'm paying in rent, I definitely would have done that. Because at the end of the day, I would have equity in it rather than just, you know, throwing money away paying rent.
0: Makes a lot of sense. You know, that's, I think, what some entrepreneurs do, not necessarily, you know, building and buying, you know, massive pieces of land, probably with lots of trees, I would imagine, but to own their own building. You know, if they have an office and, you know, again, same kind of idea where the office is paying them rent, the business is paying them rent, and maybe even paying the mortgage, depending on how it's set up. What else would you do differently?
1: I would have made some different moves, like bringing on the digital marketing Company, I would have brought them on sooner if I would have known that was a thing. Would have purchased some different machines and equipment sooner. Just, you know, production time, time is money. And whatever we can do to maintain the quality status, but anything to do to lower the production time saves money. And just being smarter about that stuff in the beginning. I mean, over the years, it's evolved to get to that place. But there's been a couple like, you know, like when the pandemic hit. And we had four corporate jobs all canceled. And that was had nothing on the books second and third quarter of 2020. So just being able to make some of those moves earlier would have helped ease that pain.
0: Yeah, well, I don't think anybody really anticipated the... The pandemic, but um, you survived. You know that's that's a good thing. You survived. You know now it's interesting. You mentioned you know digital marketing doing that sooner because marketing is just such an important piece of any business. You know what you do. I mean, certainly you, you're going to have beautiful pictures and and with these high profile clients, you definitely have some meat to put into press releases which is fabulous but i think everybody at some stage of their business growth can benefit from digital marketing how did you go about finding your digital marketer what types of things were you looking for
1: actually when the pandemic hit and those jobs got canceled i sat around for 2 weeks like everybody did and i was like this is stupid so i grabbed my dog just wanted to hit the road so I drove to Chicago, over to Ohio, down to Tennessee, and on that road trip, you know, just doing some windshield therapy thinking, really wanted to put more time and money into a portfolio and have a professional actually make the portfolio. And right around that time, God just kind of poked his head up and was like, hey, I got you. So a girl that I went to college with that I haven't spoken with in forever, she randomly reached out to me on Facebook and you know, we hopped on a call and we were just talking about that. And so she was the one who redid the portfolio. And at the time she was working with Ray Cornell, who does all my digital marketing. So she introduced me to Ray and Ray has been instrumental in helping my business prosper over since 2020.
0: So it's really helpful to have Good referrals from people you trust so that you can trust who they refer you to. I, I think that's very valuable, the importance of a network, you know, and also what you said about, you know, as you were driving from one state to another, to having the time to think about your business instead of just working in it, which especially in that startup phase in those first three years is It's all consuming, as you mentioned, and it's so easy for people to get lost in the details and not step back. And I get the pandemic made you step back. So that was a good thing for you.
1: Absolutely. Because, you know, leading up to that time, it was literally a horse with blinders on. It was just this direction and we're going as fast and hard as we can. It really made me switch the business model, actually, because at the time, I would say 90% of our work was coming from interior design firms for hotels and resorts, and they all got shut down, not even furloughed, just, hey, this is all canceled. So that's working with Ray. We really focus residential and direct-to-business, and that saved my business.
0: So do you have more of a business plan now? I mean, you said before you were just like a horse running with blinders as fast as you could go with all of these jobs that the interior designers were bringing your way, which is great and, you know, some nice cash flow. But when that all dried up, you know, you pivoted. So do you have a more comprehensive plan now?
1: I'd love to say yes, but the real answer is no, not really. I've come to find out because things change so fast and we have to pivot so fast, whether it's, you know, who we source from, like, I rarely use domestic species. I import massive slabs from Costa Rica, Thailand, Vietnam, Bali, Indonesia, even that change, like getting it through customs has been a pain. So every time I think that, okay, we got this figured out, okay, now let's do this. Some sort of wrench always gets thrown in. So I kind of prefer just to stay on my toes. And when something crazy, amazing happens, I'm allowed to do it because I'm not diehard dead set on this one plan.
0: Understood. You know, you can have some flexibility. You don't have to say, oh, my God, it says on Tuesday I do this. Sorry, can't go to, you know, Thailand. I got to do this. You know, as, as you experience yourself, it's helpful to, you know, have that peripheral vision to be able to make those pivots when necessary. I'm curious, Doc, you know, in your journey, you've you've had a very good mentor that helped you get your start, introduce you to a, a good accountant that you can trust and rely on. What's been the best piece of business advice that you've received over the years in your journey from corporate to entrepreneurship?
1: The first one is the importance of networking. You can have the best advertising, the best marketing, but that'll only take you so far. The real big business deals are still done shaking hands and just expanding your network. Like one of our ProLacities clients that I became friends with, he was the one who introduced me to one of the owners of Black Rifle Coffee, and that's how I got in with them. And there's no way I could have ever gotten that job unless it was a direct referral from You know, a client and a friend. So that was the biggest key is just networking is everything. The second piece is a quote that I got sent from a good friend of mine, and it changed my perspective on social media and just what I call the noise, you know, the naysayers, the people who want to see you fail and everything. And the quote simply says, You will never be criticized by somebody doing more than you. And the moment I read that, it just, Weight was taken off my shoulders and realized, look, if somebody's not directly putting food on your table, their opinion is kind of irrelevant. You're the only one who knows the ins and out of your business, who knows yourself and knows the direction you want to take your business. Nobody knows that better than you. So why allow outside influence to come in and rock the boat when they don't even have a dog in the fight? It's irrelevant.
0: Well, I can't top that, Doc, that's for sure. And, you know, I think maybe that's the best way to wrap it rather than try and ask another question, as I think that's a really powerful quote. And your response to it is certainly heartfelt and makes a lot of sense. Exactly right. So thanks so much. I, I really appreciate your time and sharing your journey transitioning from corporate to entrepreneur. Your Live Edge pieces are beautiful. So please keep up the good work. And if you're listening, you'd like to know more about Doc Wright and his gorgeous custom woodwork, those links as well as the transcript to this interview can be found at the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to tell your friends about the show and leave a positive review. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Business Confidential Now. Until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.